0: As you read those passages uh, and listened to what Ben had to share, obviously you're thinking about continuationism uh, versus cessationism and those arguments, or egalitarianism versus complementarianism. Uh, No? (laughs) Everybody's still awake? Good. Those are important questions for the church. Uh, the Methodists, the Wesleyans have had positions on those things, and if you ever want to grab coffee, I'd love to talk with you about that. It's not the heart of where we are today, though. The heart of what is in this passage is that all of us have a part to play in ministry, and all of us are gifted to be in ministry together. And I want us to look at two things. If you're a note taker, you can follow along in the notes as well. First, I want us to look at our calling, that all of us are called to participate in Christ's continuing kingdom work but then also we need to we need to be very careful about that and we'll talk about that in a minute as to how we go about that and how we can lose our focus in that but first let's just share together what is our calling you see that here in verse 20 there was a dream where there was talk of Abraham going to be a prophet God spoke to Moses that Aaron would be his prophet. You get to Deuteronomy 34, and there's talk of looking back and saying, Moses is the greatest prophet ever. Now, we may not feel that way. We think of Moses as the lawgiver, as a leader, but God himself said it. If you ask a Jew today who's the greatest prophet, they won't say Isaiah. They won't say Jeremiah or Daniel or Ezekiel. It's Moses. Moses. But when you get to Scripture and you watch Scripture, the first time you get a name and a title, it's like we've been going through a Wednesday night, pastor's Bible study, looking at the disciples and how they spent their lives for Jesus, and Matthew calling himself Matthew the tax collector, or, or the, the Simon the zealot. The first time in Scripture, it's Miriam. The first time prophet, the title is mentioned with a name, it's Miriam, the prophetess. She has this ministry of speaking truths on behalf of God. She's already stepped up. We celebrated last week in Exodus 2, stepping up and being a part of saving not just Moses, but being a part of God's salvation history for his people. And then here, after the Red Sea, you've got her leading worship. And and you've got Moses and the sons of Israel speaking singing through those first 18 verses and then you've got Miriam leading women with that refrain that she shares here something beautiful about that of of this duet of of celebrating what we believe together that's a great thing we hold on to as Methodists that we believe what's always been believed and we do that in community but I love as well it's just this reminder of all of us are called all of us are to be in ministry together. Paul would later talk about the body, the eye, the hand, the foot, the importance of all of us in ministry. And as you walk across to the gym today, the Christian Life Center, you're going to get to, to see that, about the, about the many ways, in different ways, that all of us can be a part of Christ's continuing kingdom work. Um. I had a friend named Chris Decker. He's still a buddy, but he's moved away to the East Coast. We did ministry. He was at Lakeside Prez when I was at St. Mark's right out of college doing student ministry. And he shared a story that I've been thinking about this week. Football's finally over. For some of you, you're ready. you have already counting the weeks to kick off. For some of you, you're just so glad it's finally off your TV. But football's been on my mind this week after Super Bowl, right? And uh, I was thinking about how and you're just going to be overwhelmed as you think about all the ways God's calling us. What do I do? And, and, and is God calling my next step to something maybe even I'm not comfortable with? Chris had lined up in high school against his rivalry team to be on the kickoff team. Now listen, if you've ever been on a kickoff, that's the least favorite thing about football that I, that I ever did was kickoff team. Because it's a place where you can get hit where you don't know where it's coming from. It's also a place where you just get all kinds of... Bumps and, 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 and smashing into people where you get all these little nagging injuries throughout the year. But here, here he was, lined up, rival high school, getting all excited and jacked up to go and then just go crush the competition. They kick the ball. He gets about 10 or 20 yards down the field, screaming, raring to go. Some kids from the opposing school... Cut the stadium lights. Now, put yourself inside a Chris Decker's eyes and helmet. You're running full blast, charged up, fired up for your team to take care of your rival, and it goes dark. What do you do? Chris said when they clicked the lights back on, it was the old school lights that took a little bit later, there was a fight here, there was a fight there, there was a fight there. there. It was just chaos on the field, right? I just can't imagine what he went through. Do I keep running? Do, who am I going to hit? And he said some of his own friends were beating each other up in the dark, right? He just found somebody and just went, right? Is God calling you to pray in a new way? Is God calling you to give and support missions in a new way? Is God calling you to step out and maybe it's to be in a supportive role? Maybe he's calling you to the front line and I think about things that God may be calling me to or you to and you just think, oh, I can't see that ahead. I can't see ahead. And it can be a scary thing and it can be a a nervous thing. We've been looking at... A couple of weeks ago, the the late ministry of Jesus, and almost every step, the disciples are shaking in their boots about what's next and where to go. What's your next step? How is it you and I will step out in faith, even though we can't see it, we know the Lord's calling us to it in our prayer life, in our giving, and maybe in our supporting or our serving, or even being out front. we're all called, we're all called to step out in faith and say, Lord, where would you have me serve? And I love we see this so beautifully in Miriam's life. To step up and to risk with Pharaoh's daughter, the daughter of a so called God or idol? Yeah. To 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 share the ministry of prophecy and to look men and women in the eye and say, This is the truth of God. Yeah, the title's here. And then to to sing. Look, for some of us, I'm going to point to a few of you, and when when I point to you, you get up and start singing. It'd be a terrifying thing. The only worst thing I could ask you to do would be to pray in front of other people, right? And to to lead in singing. Whatever the role, if it's stepping up, if it's prophesying, if it's singing, I just want to be in your kingdom, and she does it. You're gifted. You may not sense it. You have God-given natural talents. You may not sense it. Ben would love to meet with you about that. We have spiritual gifts inventories. Steve Potter, director of outreach ministries, he'd love to talk to you about how it is you're fitted with your personality, with your passions, with your gifting, with your talents, and and just to equip you and send you for God's work. Again, we all do that through our prayers. We do that through our supporting of the budget. But what would be your next step individually to join and, and to be a part of this kingdom work here? I love that Miriam steps out in several ways to do that. But listen, anytime we celebrate our calling, you're going to watch. you just got to track Miriam's life. Like we went a couple of years ago and tracked David's life. Because as we are seeing in our Wednesday night with the Bible study on the disciples, there's a whole lot of good, but there's a whole lot of stumbling as well. And you, you see that here in Miriam's life. And listen, you can go back to David's life. David had Jonathan in his life. He's doing fine. Jonathan's gone and all of a sudden there's horrific sin. Then Nathan calls him out and he's doing fine. And then he knows he probably shouldn't do the census thing, but he does. And then there's Gad the prophet. So we all struggle and we need each other. Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Here with, here with Miriam, she's real. Unbelievable risk to step up. Sharing the truth of God. Here leading in worship, but you watch her life. And maybe, this is, this is me, maybe it's here, but at least we know it's by Numbers 12. There are going to be struggles because she's a real person and we want to learn from that. What can we learn as we did from David and his struggles, from the disciples and their struggles? Uh, You can go later to Numbers 12, but I'm wondering if it's even here. The text doesn't say that. And be honest, I don't know how they sang this. Commentators argue about these verses. The first 18 verses. do, Do we get what Miriam sings? Is it really just one verse she sings? Or... Is it just, okay, she's going to sing the exact same thing. They sang 18, she did, we're just going to give you one verse. Or do they sing 18 verses and then they sing this one verse after every verse? Maybe so. You know what the text says? The men got 18. She got stuck with one. I wonder if it starts here, this issue. It's why we need to be, in that second point, careful. When God gives us uniquely and special ways for ministry to not focus on what others do, but simply be faithful with what we're called to do. And by the way, you go back to verse 18. Here's the first person ever named as a prophet in all of Scripture. This is Miriam the prophet. What else does verse 20 says? Oh, she's also Aaron's sister. Everybody know Aaron? He's a big wig. That's his sister. Does she hear it that way? Somebody who risked to save Moses, somebody who has a gift of prophecy, somebody leading in worship. Even later you get to Numbers 26 and God's speaking of his plan, of how he's worked through Moses' parents. And there it is again. She's their sister. And that, that can happen to us where we can get focused on what others have and what others do. And by the time you get to Numbers 12, it's not just Miriam, it's Aaron as well. They get focused on Moses. And listen, that that happens throughout the the New Testament. You go to John's Gospel. You remember the story when after the resurrection, Jesus has cooked breakfast for the disciples and basically restores Peter three times because Peter's denied him three times. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He's restored him three times and then talks about how he will be martyred. But he's restored him. Jesus has come back from the dead and restored and forgiven Peter. Think of the weight that's off of Peter. Just waiting to deal with that moment where, as the gospel shares, not only did I not deny him, he saw me. That the Savior turned and looked me in the eye when I did it. And I need to get that off of me. And here it is. Jesus has restored me. And he also talks about my martyrdom. But I'm going to glory in that grace. No. What about that guy? What are you going to do with John? If that's, my, if that's me, what are you going to do with him? It's the first thing out of his mouth. Paul has to argue with the Corinthian church. Forget your little factions of who likes Apollos or Peter or me. That's what can happen. We can get focused on others. And here you see it in Numbers 12, and you can go back there later. They're upset about Moses and the Cushite woman, but also they're saying, doesn't God speak through us too? And maybe you've been there, Uh, struggling at uh, work. Why are they able to do that and I can't? Or with a family member, why do they have that and I don't? Or a role in a church. Um, I wish I was. I wish my family was. I wish I had the ministry of. I wish I had the influence of. I wish I had the pastor's one eyebrow. I see you looking. This is how I'm uniquely gifted, all right? You can't have it. You been there, though? Because basically what we're saying, basically what Miriam is saying and Aaron is saying in Numbers 12 is, God, I don't know if you're a good gift giver because I'm not getting the spotlight I should have gotten, the attention I should have gotten. When the whole point is, anytime we're gifted, a gift is to give it back to the giver so that he gets the glory. But we can live there, and it can take our focus. I was on YouTube. I don't know how this deep dive started, but I found a Sears and Roebuck Christmas catalog from the 1970s. I watched that 20-minute video. It was like a kid in a candy store. As I saw all all the toys from my childhood. And it got me thinking about Christmases as a kid in Pennsylvania. I lived right across the street from my grandmother and grandfather. I lost him when I was in kindergarten or first grade, but just had a loved spending time. We lived there till I was uh, in Pennsylvania until I was 11 and a half, so a lot of time with my grandmother. And, and the Christmas tradition for us is everybody in our family, the four brothers and sisters of of, of the males, they, they'd all have Christmas at home, and then they'd all come over to Grandma and Grandpa's house after to get presents. And listen, Grandma mail wasn't playing. It was a real present. This was not socks and underwear. This was like major present. You weren't done with Christmas at your house. You knew you were going to get some big-time present at Grandma's house. And I was there for nine years uh, In Pennsylvania. So that's nine presents that I got at her house. But then uh, until she passed when I was a teenager, we would also get gifts sent to Mississippi from Grandma Mail. Major, major stuff. Here's my confession this morning I don't remember a single one of them. I do remember Cousin Bobby's 1973 Vertibird helicopter and police rescue unit. This helicopter would go around in a circle, but it could also drop and go up. And it had a hook where it could pick up this car, pick it up. It had a road map that it was on, the Vertiburb helicopter unit. My grandmother got me big time stuff. I don't remember a single thing. But I remember Cousin Bobby and what he had. And we can do it. Why can't I sing like so and so? Why can't I be on the front lines like so and so? Or, God, why are you pushing me on the front lines? I want to be like so and so and be an encourager and and do the behind the scenes work. We can do that. It will paralyze you, it really will. And just watch what happens. Here's Exodus, I mean, you go back to Exodus 2, and she's standing in the gap for Moses, and then by the time you get to Numbers 12, she's pointing him out. Who, are you, who do you think you are? It can come to all of us. where well, we can't see the blessings of God. We can't see the ways in which we've been shaped and gifted a unique ministry because we're frustrated by or looking to what somebody else has. Or even to, and you sense that here in Numbers 12, this this i wanted to be noticed that i have been gutting it out in the place where i'm supposed to gut it out but nobody's giving me any attention i love how the message paraphrase works here in 2 timothy 6 through 8 paul says that his life is an offering on god's altar this is the only race worth running i've run hard to f- right to the finish believed all the way all that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his son's returning. It could be an issue. Why is so-and-so getting celebrated? And it might keep us from just gutting it out and doing what we ought to do. Happens in this room. Um, choir sings a beautiful piece like they did today and you all clap the only time you clap for me is when I say and in closing no (laughs) and Eddie Ergel quit standing up when you clap for that but we can be there you there today how is it you and I need to say Lord what's my next step all of us are called I may not feel it I may have been burned in the past, but Lord, I want to be faithful to the kingdom work you've uniquely gifted to me, and I need to step out today. That's what we're celebrating today on this Ministry and Mission Day. Lord, you've, you've called Miriam into beautiful ministry, this vast ministry, and I just want to step out and to seek what you have for me. Again, our staff would love to talk with you about that, but at the same time, we need to be, we need to be very, very careful, uh, and we need to make sure Uh, that we're content, that would be the last word, we're content with how the Lord's called us and how the Lord is going to use us, whether we get any glory or not, so that he, and we live for an audience of one, so that he will receive the glory. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you that in the lives of Moses and Aaron and Miriam, we see so many roles of ministry, so many ways that you use them, to bless your people, to bring glory to yourself. And Father, we're praying that for ourselves today, that your Holy Spirit, through other voices or by your word or by your very own spirit, you'd speak to us and say, this is it. This is what I've called you to do. This is your passion. This is your gifting. These are your God-given talents. Father, help us to be faithful, to explore that, to take the next step to serve you and to serve this world so that you might receive the glory, that Jesus might be lifted up. But I also pray as well, Father, as I look in my own life and as, as we see so many around us doing wonderful things, that that will not tire us, that will not frustrate us, that will not take our eye off of the kingdom work you've called us to be about. It happens so often, Father. May it, ne- may not, ha- may it not happen with us. May we be found faithful May we be found focused on you and not others. May we be found grateful for how you've called us and blessed us. Thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.